Hi, this is Pastor Wade Foy coming to you from First United Methodist Church of Lake Jackson. This is our weekly message. We're so glad that you have joined us. We hope this message will bless you. When I was reading this uh, passage, it got me thinking about the art of letter writing and how really that has uh, been something that has almost really died these days. Um, emails are great. Uh, they get the communication out there for people, and they're short and sweet, but there's something that is missing in an email that you really get in a letter. Um, it's more personal. Uh, really, you can find more of a connection in a letter, um, and uh, I, I just think it's something that uh, we are losing uh, slowly but surely but um, I am just as guilty as the next person. Really, the only time I send something uh, in the mail, uh, or what some people affectionately call snail mail, uh, is a birthday card or a thank you note. But this hasn't always been the case. When I was in junior high and high school, I didn't have uh, the best handwriting. And now some of you who have seen my handwriting will say, oh, wow, if it is that way now, how bad was it back then? Well, it has gotten better, um, and to to get better at writing, uh, my to get better at handwriting, my dad and I, um, my parents are, are uh, were divorced when I was pretty young, and so my dad lived over by San Marcos, and we lived. I grew up in Katy, and so we would send letters back and forth. Um, I'm not sure if it was something that my dad came up with or something that a teacher came up with, but I'm glad that we did because um, I I kept those letters for a long time, and I think in one of the many moves I've had over the last 20 years, uh, I have uh, misplaced those letters. But these letters were just great. We weren't really talking about anything spectacular. It was talking about what was going on in our day, which we can get through a phone call, and that's quicker, right? Uh, We can get through an email, and that's even probably quicker than a phone call. But that helped me not only to improve my handwriting by sending these letters back and forth. It really gave a connection between my dad and I that was there, but it really grew. It gave us a chance to really communicate with each other without one or the other butting in that can happen in person or on the phone. Now, much of the Bible, especially the New Testament, is written in letter form. And as we will see in our passage today, it is a letter written by the prophet Jeremiah. He was sending a letter to the Jewish people who were off in Babylon. So let's read what Jeremiah has to say, not only to the people in exile, but also to us. Today, our passage comes from Jeremiah 29, verses 1 through 14. Please hear now the reading of God's holy word. There's a lot of fun names in here, so we're going to do the best we can. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to to the remaining elders among the exile, and to the priests and prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jesuniah 
and the queen mother, the court officials, the leaders of Judea and Jerusalem, the artisans and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Eshuliah, son of Shaphan. That's not right. And Gamilarah, son of Hileheza. Woo! And King Zebekiah of Judea sent to Babylon to the king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel and all of the exiles who I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live there. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where you, I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you. And I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for harm to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon my name and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where you have been driven, says the Lord. And I will bring you back to the places from which I sent you into exile. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks for your word. We ask that you would open our hearts, open our minds. Let us hear from you today, Lord. May my words be of you, O God. Amen. Now, we hear at the beginning of this that the people are in exile. The Jewish people had been taken over by the Babylons. The Babylon Empire had come in and they had taken over much of what we see as the Eastern Mediterranean all the way over um, into what's known as the Fertile Crescent, the Euphrates and Tigris River. Babylon itself, the capital of the Babylonian Empire, they're really clever in their names uh, this is where they came from, was from Babylon. So the Babylonian Empire is what they called themselves. They were the Babylonians. They were really clever with their naming. And so Nebuchadnezzar, their king, had come in and he had taken over Assyria, which had taken over uh, Israel. The, the two kingdoms uh, of uh, Judah and Israel had split about 300 years before uh, the words that we read today. And so they had split, and then at a time about 200 years 
before the words, the uh, people of Israel, the 10 tribes in the north, had been taken over by Assyria. And then 100 years later, uh, 200 years later, that is, uh, the Babylonians took over Assyria. They took over all of that, uh, what we know as much of the Middle East today. And so Nebuchadnezzar had come in and he had taken over part of Jerusalem, part of Judea, really everything surrounding Jerusalem. And uh, the sons of the former great king, King Josiah, had come in his place, and we heard some of their names there that I don't think bear repeating, Johesana and uh, Jebediah, I think was the other one. Now, they started to take these people away. They actually gouged the eyes out of that first king that we mentioned, the first, the oldest son of King Josiah, as, the, as Jerusalem was on fire. So that was the last thing that he saw. And then they took him into exile and they put his brother in his place because they felt like he was a puppet, that he would come in there and he would do their bidding for them. They, they had seen, he had seen, oh, how bad the Babylonians can be. He will not be as bad as, as his brother who wouldn't let us in the door, wouldn't let us conquer them. And so they took away these elites. They took them away because they thought, okay, well, they will follow this guy that we have put in place and not follow these others. Well, the brother decided, well, uh, after a few years, I'm going to see if we can get with the Egyptians and uh, get out of this mess that we're in with the Babylonians. And therefore, Nebuchadnezzar came back and destroyed the entire city. Uh, Jerusalem was leveled. The temple was destroyed. And the rest of the people of God, or most of the people of God, left the land, the holy land, um, as we call it today. And it's safe to say that at this point, the people of God, the Jewish people, were at a low point. They were a thousand miles from home, from Jerusalem to Babylon, which uh, Babylon is in modern day uh, Baghdad in Iraq, it's about a thousand miles. So they're a thousand miles from home. They're living under the thumb of their conquerors, trying desperately to make sense of what had just happened and in need of a word from God. Now, Jeremiah, who uh, is the one who wrote the letter to them that we uh, heard just a moment ago, uh, had been a prophet for around 40 years at this time. It actually started prophesying during the reign of King Josiah. And these were great days. People were turning back to God. There was some prosperity coming back to the land. It had been desolate for, for a while since the Assyrians had come in. They had been paying a tribute. They had been tra- paying lots of money to, to Assyria. And he actually um, was uh, there and he told the people, that this Babylonian exile was coming, Jeremiah did. He said, uh, you need to turn to God. You need to stop committing injustices, and you need to do something about this. Now they didn't. The prophet had seen how Josiah's sons had turned not only themselves, but the people away from God. And that these injustices had been injustices had been committed throughout Judea and around Jerusalem. The people had started to trust less in God 
and started to crush more in the walls that surrounded Jerusalem for their safety and security. And so the Babylonians came in. And it says that God let this happen, that God was seeking to bring their people back to him through this exile that happened, that he let Babylon do this. Jeremiah knew that the Jewish peoples had suffered, that they had suffered much by the hands of the Babylonians, but because he had gone through it with them. He was in Jerusalem when it happened. He watched as the armies came, not once, not twice, but several times. They had siege, the, they had done a siege ramp around the city, and they had done much death and destruction. In fact, uh, one of the ways Jeremiah is obvious, often spoken of famously is that he is the weeping prophet due to the circumstances under which he worked. And I wonder if you've ever been in a similar place where Jeremiah was, where the people were. A place where you, all you feel is hurt. A place where loss after loss has come and where joy is far away. This could have been when you have lost a loved one, when you or a loved one has gone through a serious illness, It could be from a physical injury or from an emotional one. Now, I have been there a few times in my life, but one of the most significant was five years ago when I lost my dad in a car wreck. This happened suddenly, out of nowhere. And as I said, we had done this time of writing letters, and obviously we were close. We were, uh, um, yeah, it was hard. I was in a similar place as the Jewish people were, as Jeremiah was, a place where I was hoping for healing, but where it escaped me. And for nearly a year, I was in that place, and I was waiting and hoping for healing. Jeremiah saw the issue at hand, that the entire nation of Judah was in a place of hurt, an entire people group, and knew how long it would take. We find out later in the passage that it's going to take 70 years before the Jewish people were going to be able to return to the land. So what did he do about their hurt? He sent them a letter. Why didn't he tell this in person? Well, when they had been emptied from the land, Jeremiah was allowed to stay there. He was still in Jerusalem, and he was sending this letter because they were far away. And he knew that they needed to hear what God wanted to tell them. And the letter starts out simply. It says, continue to live, build houses, plant gardens, eat of the fruit uh, that, that comes from your gardens, get married, have kids, live in peace with your neighbors, seek the good of where you're living. That would have been hard to hear, right? These are their conquerors. He's saying, pray for them. Seek their good. This was Jeremiah's way of saying, keep going, keep living. Or as my papa affectionately would say often, keep on and keeping on. 
and to continue to do this, continue living, continue thriving for 70 years in the land of exile. And then you, or most likely your children or grandchildren, would come back to the land. 70 years it would take. And as healing always does, it was going to take time. Time to fully heal from the hurt that had happened to him. But they needed to know, and we need to know in those times, that God hadn't abandoned them. The Lord still had plans for the Jewish people and would see that those plans would happen. And 70 years later, the Jewish people came back to the land, back to Jerusalem, and they started to rebuild. They started to rebuild at the center of town. They rebuilt the temple, and then they rebuilt the walls. And as they rebuilt both of those, they rebuilt trust with each other, and they rebuilt their relationship with God. After my dad passed, like I said, it took me about a year to get back on track. And it came at a time I least looked for it. It was on Father's Day of all times, which I just knew was going to be really hard. I, I, during Father's Day that year of 2019, I was on a mission trip down to Honduras. And the pastor down there of the Methodist church that we were helping out in the school that, that they had down there, she asked me to preach, and I just said yes because I knew it was an honor to be asked to preach, not thinking about that it was Father's Day that I was going to be preaching on. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, Lord, what do I talk about? And I started to write the sermon, and the weight started to lift from me, that weight that I had carried that whole year, because I was writing about the struggle that I had been through. And it was as if God was telling me that others needed to hear the full story so that they too could start a journey of healing. And many afterwards said that they appreciated what I had to say and it gave them hope for healing in their own lives. Now friends, it's been a little bit over a year since there was a certain vote that happened in this congregation where we stayed United Methodist. There has been hurt. There has been separation. We've had people leave. And it may seem as if we have been wandering in the wilderness like the Israelites uh, after the, the exodus. Or like we've been off in the exile like the Jewish people were in Babylon since that vote. But I am here to say that I have hope. Hope in who we are as a church Hope in a God that loved on the people while they were in exile. Hope in a God that guided the people through the wilderness. Who had plans for them and has plans for us. Has plans for this church. Has plans for this area. More stayed than left after the vote. God has done great things throughout this year while we were in the midst of hurting we have trusted God together, and we have done ministry together. Now to be clear, healing is a journey, not a destination. There are scars, there are scabs, but they are no longer wounds like they once were. I still miss my dad at times, and 
that hurt still comes, right? But it isn't as sharp as it once was, and it comes less often. The same happened with the Jewish exiles. Much happened during their time when they were away. The stories of Daniel that we know well. The story of Esther, Jonah, Ezra, Nehemiah, long books in the Bible like Ezekiel, and even the stories of the Maccabees. They happened during or after the exile. Much happened after the exile. And ultimately, Jesus came after the exile. 600 years after the words that we read today, Jesus came to earth, he ministered, he died and resurrected to remind us that God is still with us no matter what is going on. The people weren't under the Babylonian empire then, they were under a worse empire, the Roman empire. They were still under occupation. They were still a people who didn't have a true national identity anymore. There was still hurt that was happening. But what Jesus brought was hope, was healing, was grace. That not everything is this or that. That joy can happen in the midst of pain. That hope can happen even in the midst of despair. That grace wins over sin. And healing is happening even when we can't see or feel it. My challenge for us is to do all we can to not focus on the hurt, but to focus instead on God. To focus not on what went on a year ago, but what God is doing now and what we hope for God to do in the future. Amen? Amen. To be in this for the long haul. To be about helping instead of hurting each other. Healing comes as we do these things. As we trust God. As we focus on God. As we continue living like the people did in exile. God will bring healing. And as we grab hold of hope, joy will return and healing will happen. And it may seem odd, but I know that in this last year, right now, and in the future, God will lift our heads, will wipe the tears from our eyes, will hold us close, will to continually call us his beloved children will renew our strength and continue the journey of faith. God, it was so. God, it is so. God, make it so. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the words of Jeremiah, the words that speak healing in the midst of hurting, Lord. Lord, we have been through it this last year but you have been good and you have been God to each and every one of us, Lord. Lord, help this church to continue to heal from the hurt that happened a year ago. Lord, may we be ones that offer hope and healing to others in our lives and in our world. Lord, help us to hold on to you, to trust in you. Help us to be a people who look to you, whatever the circumstances. Lord, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.
Thank you for joining us for our weekly sermon message. We hope this, this has blessed you in some way. Please see our notes below for if you have a prayer request or if you would like to learn more about our church.